Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, I am so glad that you have joined us here, here on the program today. We have a very interesting subject we're going to talk about. Um, I'm going to preface it by saying that about 30, 25, 30 years ago, I was working for a local Christian station, and I was living there, of course, in Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, the state of legis state legislature was uh, working on a bill uh, to uh, talk about uh, and give equal rights uh, to um, same-sex people, uh, gays, lesbians, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I know there's the whole acronym that I cannot remember all the letters, but be that as it may. Um, and so I wanted to do an interview with both someone who was in support of the bill as well as someone who was opposed to it. So I went to the local ex-gays for Jesus, and I was uh, told basically that uh, he was not going to give the devil equal time. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you right now, we're in the 21st century, and the reality is that we have had people who have had the um, uh, uh, orient, I'll, I'll use the word orientation, I, it's a little clinical, but apologize for that, uh, to where they're mo they are interested in and they fall in love with and they uh, enjoy being around people of the same sex, whether it's male or female. I'm not even going to get into all of the, the different, uh, oh, I can't even think of what the term is now in terms of how you want, one would describe oneself. I know the he, she, it, they, them, and so I'll, what's your name? That's, that's my perspective is just let me tell you, your, let me talk to you by your name. Well, the gentleman we're going to talk with today has produced a movie that talks about this history over 100 years. And we're going to find out how this all came about. And what we are finding through our history is that those men and women, but in this case it's specifically men, uh, who have been in love with other men for hundreds, if not thousands of years. This is not something new from the 20th century. This has been part of human history, and I've even heard it said, and I'll, I don't know if my guest has any information in this regard, uh, even in the animal kingdom, there are certain species who some are more acclimated to the same sex. I, I, don't, I don't know how true that is. I don't know if science will verify it and all that stuff, but what we are going to verify is that our special guest today is David uh, Milburn, and I want to thank you so much for being with us and taking this time. This is, to me, an extraordinary film, but an extraordinary topic as well, and I really appreciate your coming to uh, our, uh, our screen and microphone. Thank you so much, Richard. Uh, it's, a, it's an honor to be here. I, I, I love uh, um, talking about this film because I love the film. Because it is about love. So uh, yeah. there you go. Hey, I love your theme song, by the way. Tell your story. That's that's amazing. Well, We're thank you very much. First. I used to think the title of it was Tell Me Your Story. And then I went yeah. back to the uh, I went back to the CD that my wife and I had listened to while traveling through Ireland. And it turns out that's just a line in the song. It's actually called Flesh and Blood. And that's what we are. You know, uh, tell me your story. I'll do my best to understand because we're flesh and blood. And that is the truth, whether you love the opposite sex, you love the same sex, or you don't love any sex, and it's just you're having a great time living the life you're living. And, uh, and, we, have to, and we have to be in flesh and blood to be human to love. So I think it all, it all makes sense. Absolutely. Uh, and am I, was I accurate in stating that same-sex love, because that's what we're talking about here uh, in particular, has been around and in our history for thousands of years. This is nothing new. Absolutely, and it's been named different things throughout the 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 our history. But right now, we are embracing inclusiveness, and uh, and we are uh, really expressing that we are here. We have always been here. So why not say these men in this TV special? were very courageous. They were very brave to capture their love in a photo dating back in the special to 18, we go from 1859 to 1959 in a very special way. When they were, they were facing 
imprisonment, uh-huh. loss of livelihood. They were facing their whole lives being being destroyed if these pictures or if their love uh, was, uh, you know, discovered. Right. Yet they had the courage to say, you know what, this love matters. So we're going to take a picture. Now, when I think of, of what we've done, I, I wrote and directed the film as well. When I think of what um, we did with this TV special, we said, you know what, it does matter. And we're bringing your love from 100 years ago right up to today to show people that it mattered then and it matters now. So I celebrate these these gentlemen because we stand on their shoulders. They showed us the way. They always say that, uh, uh, you know, if you've got a torch, uh, you know, uh, pass it on to somebody else. Well, if you pass on a torch, you're in the dark. So what we need to do is ignite people's torches and ignite young people to realize that there is a shared history, that they stand on the shoulders of these gentlemen and we need to say thank you and celebrate them. And that's what we do in this this TV special. You know, the, the other aspect of it, too, is and, and I actually heard this in a current, a current like in just the last few years, country song. Uh, that you should love who you love and not be ashamed. Now, they didn't specifically reference uh, the gay community. The same-sex community. But the implication, I think, is very clear. Love who you love and don't be ashamed of it. Right. Yeah. Well, society, uh, our current society has, has, uh, is, is, is evolving in that thought. And we are, are uh, contributing to that openness and inclusiveness by portraying positive role images and to tell our young people and to tell everyone that, like you say, Richard, this has been around for a while. So there's no reason to hide your light under a bushel. Now, there will be those, uh, I might be included uh, among them, that say, hey, that's not my proclivity. Uh, I, I jokingly say, because I heard a comedian say this, so I, I think I can say this, that uh, I am actually uh, a woman trapped in a man's body. Okay? Because, and I'm a, I'm a lesbian. That's what he said. I'm a lesbian trapped in a man's body. That's how much I love women. Um, but I have had some very dear friends. My best friend, I've known for over 50 years, we went to school together. And one day, out of the blue, he comes out to me. And I, and I kid you not, I said, Doug, wh- what do you want me to do with that? It doesn't change. You're still my best friend. So what? You know? But I did come along and I did ask, I asked him, I said, uh, one day I said, did, did you ever think about me as maybe a partner? To which I was crestfallen. He said, no. <laughs> but that's okay. We are still friends to this but, day. I love him dearly. But he, did, but he did, what he did to you was uh, he felt safe and comfortable enough. Yeah. And your friendship was big enough and large enough that he, in a way, you were honored because he came out to you. I've had that happen uh, in my own life where young people uh, come out to me and I feel so honored and and, uh, complimented when somebody would feel that comfortable because it is a huge uh, risk, if you will. It's a huge uh, uh, disclosure. And to be the one that on the receiving end, I feel is is a very special place. So good for your friend and good for you to have that kind of relationship. 100 years of Men in Love, the accidental collection directed by Emmy Award winner, uh, actor and producer David Wilburn. He is my guest. And uh, we are also going to find more about how this all came about as we how this came about as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And I have to say this is this is a very important conversation we're having. Yes, normally, uh, David, we 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 delve into more metaphysical and spiritual aspects. And I think maybe we can get into that a little bit because Absolutely. we are talking about the um, fulfillment, if you will, of one's soul's journey through this particular lifetime. 
Now, you only covered 100 years. I'm curious as to how many, how many uh, we could say couples or in general, how many men uh, are you talking about here in this 100-year uh, period? Well, um, the, the collection was, was uh, brought together by Neil um, Treadwell and Hugh Nini, two gentlemen who, who found one picture and they thought that that was the only picture they would ever find of a couple that obviously was in love with each other, male couple. So they put it aside, but then they found another one in an antique store, and then they found another one in a shoebox, and then they found another one in an attic, and another one in a rummage store, a rummage sale. Mm -hmm. 3,700 pictures later, uh, they said that this is, this is real. This was something. And these we these were pictures of couples. Is that correct? Mostly. Couples. Couples. So so you double that and you're talking about 74, 7,400 men throughout that hundred year period. And I called I went through that thirty seven hundred uh, photo collection and cold it down to 350 to include <laughs> it in the TV special. So that was very difficult. But let me take you uh, specifically to my journey with this. Please. Uh, growing, growing up as a, uh, a little boy in Indiana, you know how kids go th through their family's photos and boxes. I came across this tintype in my own family's photos. Oh, wow. And it's two handsome gentlemen holding a placard up at a, at a state fair and it says Bourbon, Indiana, 1908. Well, their legs are crossed to each, into each other. Their shoulders are touching. They're handsome. Their, their hands are holding the placard. I asked my mom and dad, I said, you know, mom and dad, what, who are these people? What, who are they to us? Why is this tintype uh, in our family box of photos? And they say, oh, David, you know, this is your old uh, great, great, great uncle, blah, blah, blah. So I always had such fascination. I never got a clear answer. Oh. I always had such fascination of what these gentlemen, what their lives were like. Who are they? They're obviously into each other. Then I came across Neil and Hugh's collection, and it made sense. This is my family tree. This is my ancestry. So when I realized that Hugh and Neil had 3,700 other pictures <laughs> just like this, and to, to flash back a minute, my dad was born in Bourbon, Indiana in 1926. So this is 1908, this is Bourbon 1908. Mm. So when I, I, I found out about Neil and Hugh's collection, I called them up and I said, I think that this would make an amazing documentary. And they said, we're on board. They gave me 3,700 pictures. I went through and, and called them down to 350. And I realized that I was satisfying not only my own journey of finding a picture like this, but a lot of other people's journeys as well. Yeah, it's interesting. I've been going through some of my own photographs in this big box I've been collecting for years. I love it. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. And one of these days, maybe I'll I, I need to scan them in digitally so that I can I can better look at them. But it's amazing where some of these photos were found that you've already described. And I'm sure I'm almost well, I'm probably pretty positive that there are still thousands upon thousands of photographs hidden, not hidden necessarily, but tucked away in attics and in basements and in this place and that. And what's kind of sad, too, is that when we have our natural disasters, uh, you know, similar to whether it's floods or fires or what have you, and we tend to lose a lot of those. And that's that's history. One of the things that struck me in terms of history was, do you remember the story of the gentleman in England during World War II who developed the uh, decoding machine that, where they were able to break the code of the Germans? Right. And when th when it was found out that he was gay, they had and actually they had given him some award after the fact. And after and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I may have misheard the story, but I seem to recall the disparagement uh, that 
they took the award back when they found out he was gay. Am I correct? Right. There, there, yes, yes, you are correct. And there is um, such discrimination um, throughout our history. Yeah. So when we come across something that is joyful and something that says, yes, we were here, these men were courageous and brave enough to capture it, that's why it's so important that we celebrate it. You know, when we talk about those pictures that were found, this collection, some were like pristine as if they were in a you know frame and up on a mantle. Others were creased and stuffed as if they were in a wallet, you know, and, and hidden. Yeah. So that dichotomy of, of something that was revered and something that is is um, uh, creased and stuffed away is is and, and and everywhere in between. You mentioned World War II. Um, there was a in in the photo in the in the in the TV special we expose a couple that were military uh, in the same infantry unit, the forty second infantry unit, and they called it the Rainbow Division. Go figure, they, <laughs> Rainbow, Rainbow Division. But the two of them were part of the troop that um, uh, Dachau liberated Dachau. And after they liberated Dachau, the war ended. These two gentlemen went up into the Swiss Alps, exchanged rings and uh, played around in the snow. And we have several photos of them in the TV special. When we contacted the nephew, nobody in the TV special is alive, by the way. We only have one real life connection. Those two gentlemen, one had a nephew. The nephew said, my uncle would bring down a box of, of uh, a shoebox and show me these photos of he and his lover during World War II. And that nephew now wears the ring, both of the gentlemen passed on, but that nephew now wears the ring that is in one of the pictures of oh. these two couples. He still wears it to this day. <laughs> that is our only connection uh, to anybody in, in, in the TV special. Yeah, I, I was actually going to ask you about that in terms of other connections uh, and relatives and their response when maybe they didn't know and they then suddenly find out, oh, my, my uncle, my grandfather, you know, my, my father's cousin, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, was gay? Oh, my God, no. Um, or... Oh, thank God, uh, with what they went through in their lives, at least they were able to find some happiness in their life. I know, I know. And we tried to bring that to life in the TV special. When there was writing on the back of the photo, that is spoken. That is the spoken word mm -hmm. of, of the part of the narration. So we do get a glimpse as to what they were feeling about each other or what somebody else wrote. There's one photo of two gentlemen uh, being pulled by a horse in a cart. And I believe on the back, back it says uh, something like, here's a little glimpse into the life that you may not know I had. Mm. And two gentlemen are sitting in that cart being pulled, pulled by a horse uh, with their arm around each other. Yeah. There's another, and I, I, I'm an actor, so I do the narration of what's on the back of each photo. Mm -hmm. um, there's another uh, two gentlemen in San Francisco in the 50s, and the back of it's written, here's your Uncle Bill here, and his friend Henry. Henry liked horses and would ride them in parades. Your dad said that they were both queer as ducks. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you can't make this stuff up, but yeah. it's history. It's written on the back of the photos. And then you, in, in the TV special, you get to see yeah. the look in the eyes, yeah. you know, the love that's expressed. I had, a, we've won over 20 film festivals with this uh, project. And uh, I sit in the audience, I stand in the back of the audience and I see hundreds of people kind of, they don't know what they're getting into. And then they just kind of surrender. Mm -hmm. They surrender into the journey of the history that we're exposing. One woman came up to me afterwards at one film festival. She said, oh, my God, David. She said, I wish to God I had a man in my life that would look at me in the way I see in these the men looking at each other in these photos. I wish to God I had a man like that. So, wow. 
it's really uh, affecting many, many people on many different levels. It is a uh, experiential film. We just, it's just not a montage of photo after photo after photo. I really wanted as director, I really wanted to linger and learn and feel and have the audience slip into the fantasy mm -hmm. of being with those gentlemen in that time period. So uh, the uh, Palm Springs uh, Museum of Art is now uh, uh, is showing the film. And it's also in the uh, uh, Hollywood uh, Museum uh, as oh. an installation. It wow. is really a piece wow. of art because yeah. photography obviously is art. Yeah, sure. Uh, some well, of the things that we, we discover in the film, during the late 1800s, men would, would there was a whole series of men who would uh, hold umbrellas. So you think, why umbrellas? And this was a theme in the late 1800s. So we start analyzing it. Well, you're holding the handle. You're holding the handle of the umbrella, so your hands are closed. And also, the umbrella is shielding you from onlooking eyes and and what's going on, so you could be close. So we realized that, and we made the assumption that the umbrella in the 1800s was probably the rainbow flag, if you will, of today. Yeah. Because photo after photo during this one section is of men under umbrellas. Another thing, photo booths. If you think about photo booths, well, oh, yeah. there was no photographer, there's no developer, right? Um, so men could go into those booths, close the curtain, and be as intimate or, or express themselves, uh, their feelings towards each other. And those photos would be spit out right into their hands so nobody else got to see them that was another real interesting discovery we have what we feel is the first selfie there are two gentlemen that oh. have an old old-fashioned camera and mm -hmm. they have some kind of um, a hand held device that they're shooting into a mirror oh. and they're holding wow. each other as they're shooting into the mirror with this handheld um, wow. uh, uh, activator if you will incredible yeah, we, we call it the first selfie. So there are a lot of different discoveries in the yeah. film that just, they start layering on you one after the other and think, oh my God, love is love. Yeah. Love is universal. Yeah. And thank God these gentlemen captured their love for each other for posterity. Yeah. Fans and critics, both LGBTQ and not, are now applauding director David Milburn for compiling this remarkable footage. 100 Years of Men in Love is a landmark documentary style film that, uh, <clears throat> that sticks close to its title and central premise. Over the course of 57 minutes, uh, we are treated to various photographs of men expressing love to one another that dates back as far as 1850 and as recent as 1955. And we're going to continue our conversation with David Milburn here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And uh, David, uh, this is an extraordinary experience for anyone to watch. And I have to admit that I've only seen the trailer. I have not watched those 57 minutes, but I'm looking forward to, to watching it. If nothing more uh, than uh, from an historical perspective, but also uh, getting into that aspect of um, this, this uh, 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 freedom to express themselves with and to one another in these photographs. Um, what, what, uh, what goes on inside of you as you, uh, as you watch this? And you've shared a little bit of this, but I want to go a little deeper, more metaphysical, shall we say. Um, what does this do for you and your love life uh, that in terms of going deep down into David's soul, his inner life? his fulfillment of life's purpose? I, I appreciate the question because I think the film does go into those areas. There's a photo of two young gentlemen. They must be 18 or 19. And it's about 18, I think, 75. There, you, you used to go into a pho photographer and there would be props that you could grab from the table, you know, before you take your picture. 
these two gentlemen picked up a placard that said, not married, but willing to be. Not married, but willing to be. Well, typically that would be, that placard would be picked up and held by a, a man and a woman. But then we have other pictures of the same couple, the same male male couple uh, holding an umbrella, but there's this one not married, but willing to be. Mm. For me, to see a picture like that, and obviously we linger on it, you can see that they're 18, 19, they're young. They had the awareness of their desires and the commitment to show their 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 present day people and you know and and the real fun is that now 100 years later we get to also celebrate their love but that kind of commitment i think sends a message to me personally that i am so glad that i'm loving the person i love and that i've made the right choice for me and if i can help other people along that same path to choose and to live openly, I think we've done a pretty good job. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Um, we're, we're talking about 100 uh, years of men in love, and we're talking about this, this um, I'll call it a collage. It's a television program, but it's a collage of photographs that have been collected. Uh, by the way, when you said you called down from 3,700 down to 300, you sounded an awful lot like my brother-in-law when my eldest sister passed away last March. And at the memorial, he said, I went through thousands of photographs um, uh, to, to just down to 300, just like you down to 300. <laughs> and, and the thing is, is when he first came over to my parents' house, where I was still living at the time, when when they started their relationship, he seemed to always have a camera around his neck. Yeah. In terms of your involvement in, we'll call it um, the entertainment industry uh, and so forth, uh, what about your introduction to uh, this this genre? Because, yes, you're an actor, you're a producer, you're a director, but I don't think that necessarily you started out as all three. Where did you begin this journey? Well, I um, I really am, I was a child actor. I did a lot of uh, commercials when I was a kid, and uh, I was just telling, I was just mentoring somebody this morning. One of my first texts was uh, a young film student said, "You know, my film wasn't chosen." And I said, "You know, this industry is filled with a lot of rejection, but as long as you're authentic and telling the stories that you want to tell, you'll thrive." You just have to remember, I literally just text that you just have to remember that. Um, and this is something my dad always told me, don't live a life of regret. Don't end up 40 years old saying, ah, what if, what if I would have given it everything I've got? Don't live a life of regret. So as a kid, and I started to make some you know serious money doing McDonald's, I did their introducing glasses to go. I was the first counter boy when they got coca-cola and also got to keep the glass and then i introduced their <laughs> sunday smile i was their sunday smile where you got swirl ice cream and then you got to keep the glass bowl so my dad said he said don't you're making some money you know you're seeing you dancing acting go for it and he was a drummer that had to give up his life when kids came came give up that career when kids kids came along so i did and i i i still profess that to young people you don't want to live a, a life of regret. So I, I started, my first film was a slumber, a slumber Party Massacre. It was a Roger Corman film. Still to this day, I go to conventions and people want my autograph from this film I did when I was 15, Slumber Party Massacre. Um, and from there, I just continued to do Lifetime movies. I played everybody's good husband, bad husband, sci-fi movies, ABC Family. An accidental Christmas was a huge where my wife and I are divorced at Christmas time. Our kids get us back together. Uh, one critic said that that's one of the 10 top best Christmas movies ever because it was real divorce at Christmas time and the kids having to deal with that. Um, so I've had a real bouquet of, of, of this industry, but I got to the point where I said, you know, I have an opportunity here to write 
and do something that's authentic to my life experience. And so I ran with it and I've written some series now and I've written some movies and this documentary came along literally from, from again, my childhood. Mm. I said, wow. You know, they always say, write what you know. Yeah. Well, I, this picture has been circling in my mind, <laughs> you know, for 25 years. And sure enough, I was able to contact Hugh, Hugh and Neil and say, I think there's, I want to tell that story. I want to tell the story of your collection. Mm. So it's, uh, you know, it's been, a, it's been a good journey for me. And I love writing. I love directing, uh, acting. You know, it's it's always there. You can act to the day you die, uh, which is great. I hope I, I I can continue acting. But telling your own stories, it's 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 a, it's a different thing. And producing is all a whole nother thing. I mean, and I always describe this as an actor. You know, you have your role, and you go to the premiere. You see the screen. It's like, oh yeah, I I had the script. I fleshed it out. I built it back life. I extended my impact of the film, but you're still relying on the director, the producer, the editor, a whole village of people to see what ends up on the screen. So then you see your performance. As a producer, going to see one of the films that you've produced, it's like, oh my God, I chose that music. I amended the script. I hired the director, I fired that actor and hired somebody, you know, it, it's you all over the place um, in, in a way, because you made those decisions. Uh, so for me, producing is, is so much more impactful, but writing is more intimate than, than anything I know. 100 Years of Men in Love shines a light, as you referred to earlier, on some of the history through a selection of photographs collected by Hugh Nini and Neil uh, Treadwell stumbled upon. Uh, uh, they basically stumbled upon an old photograph of a gay couple by random and then turned it into their mission to discover more of the pictures history tried to bury. And as they found more and more up to 3,700, they realized some of these photographs dated back more than 100 years. And we're going to continue talking with David Milburn on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, uh, it's really a pleasure to have this conversation. That's one of the things I have to say, uh, David, <clears throat> that um, with some of the interviews I've done over the last uh, year or so, that the pandemic has helped to bring forward conversations about things. And one in particular is, and I use this phrase, is the conversation about our mental health, not our mental um, uh, uh, disease, or the, I can't remember the other word that the people use, uh, but mental health. And I'm wondering, th this is something that came up. It was very interesting uh, back in the, and I, as I shared before about working at the Christian radio station, and they always used to talk about how it's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I was born legally blind. I was bullied all the way through school. And if I had had the choice to have perfect vision, uh, I might have. Because I sure as heck would not have chosen to be legally blind and then be bullied. Now, I didn't have that choice. That was uh, at least as in terms of this life and lifetime. Um, people who are born with darker skin colors. That's not a choice. And then I think about the LGBTQ community. And I'm thinking, who knowing the history of the gay community throughout human history and the way they were treated, who in their right mind would choose that life knowing what they faced? Uh, and in some instances, the potential of death. Have you ever grappled with that concept of choice or had to have a conversation with people in regards to that concept of choice? It's, again, it goes back to, I had a choice. I could have had a right arm or not. Uh, no, that is not how that works. Talk to us if you can share with us a little bit about that philosophical perspective. 
I feel like I didn't have to come out because I was never in. Uh -huh. you know, that was my, um, it was, it is DNA. You know, you mentioned the animal kingdom. Uh, they've said that 10% of, of, of our whole, of, of the human race and the an animal kingdom are, are you know, s into same sex. Uh, I believe there two. There were years ago. There were two penguins in uh, uh, Central Park that they called the gay penguins. You know, <laughs> uh, which, yeah. which was fun. Which was fun. But when we look at choice, um, the only choice is to be authentic, as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. Just feel what you feel, and be authentic to yourself, mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, you only have a, a relationship with yourself, really. You yeah. have a relationship only with yourself. So yeah. you have to live your life the fullest to what you feel you want. And if you do anything less, shame on you, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You know, shame on you. Live your life. Live your dream. Dream big and be authentic. Yeah. Uh, I feel that that's if you stay in that realm, I'll, I'll share with you. You know, you mentioned mental health. Uh, I produce another show called Girls Voices Now where we give cameras it's it's nonprofit we give cameras to underrepresented little girls uh, 13 through 18 we match them with female mentors who look like them and we say go tell your stories go tell us your stories they come back with these amazing personal stories and i put them together in a series called girls voices now well, when we won the Emmy uh, last year, and, and this year the Obamas won the same Emmy in the same category, but last year we won, and it was about a little Muslim girl who she shot her life about wearing a hajib and, and what that's like to be laughed at and bullied. And and when we were waiting, uh, it was a remote, um, uh, you know, remote telecast of you simulcast of the emmy uh, uh, competition last year when we we're waiting she said david we'll never win we're up against disney we're up against sesame street <laughs> we're up against all these big networks and this is a show for here tv which is who produced 100 years of man and and also produces girls voices now and i said mehran you don't understand the more personal your story is the more universal it is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And she said, oh, no, but we're up against Disney. We're up against Sesame Street. Well, when we won over Disney and Sesame <laughs> Street for uh, little Mehran May uh, showing her story about being bullied, she just broke down and cried and we got off camera. And, and I said, see, the more personal, the more universal. I really feel that we're all we're all the same we're all the same entity. Yeah. We're just dressed up in different spacesuits. One spacesuit says I'm male. Mm -hmm. One spacesuit says I'm female. Sometimes you change your spacesuits, but deep down, it's a human experience mm -hmm. and it's universal. Mm -hmm. That's why when we look at these gentlemen that took these pictures, it's love is universal, no matter who it is. Yeah. Um, so I feel that in a spiritual way, that is that is where I come from mm. as far as choice. Be authentic. Yeah. Be true to yourself because there ain't nobody else there. No, right? no, there isn't. We we encourage people to participate in what we call the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, where we ask them to go within to that still, quiet, calm, peaceful place and listen to that still, small voice and follow those promptings. Uh, I've, I've questioned a lot of people about this, uh, that that still small voice, it will never put you in harm's way. It might challenge you. It's challenged me. My, my, my friend has challenged me, but it will not put you in harm's way. And I mm -hmm. always have, have worked. And the more I listen to and follow, the more it's sort of second nature. But I still have those moments of, wait a minute. No, I don't think I want to well, maybe I better do that because, you know, that kind of thing. By the way, yeah, I love that. I love that, Richard, because yeah. you have to stop the noise, the yeah. noise of other influences, the noise of, of, of our, the wor world today. 
you have to blot out all the noise and listen to this noise. You know, I, I know I spent a lot of time out in the desert and there's a place out there, uh, Joshua Tree. I don't oh, know yes. If you've ever you get out there and you hike and you cannot hear anything. And I realized a couple of times that why is there still noise? Why am I still here? And say, oh, yeah, it's the noise in here. Uh-huh. And that's the noise that allows nature. I mean, the noise that nature allows you to get rid of the external noise to concentrate on the inner noise. And and that's very powerful. I, lo- I love that. Yeah, I love what you're saying. You know, you mentioned DNA. And before we, we pause again here, um, uh, I did some research, but I also remember being taught this in biology class in both grade school and in high school. And I always found this fascinating uh, because of the way people like to view uh, the, the sexes, specifically from the, the standpoint of male and female. And that piece of information that I remember getting, and I did some more current research, is that every single human being that has ever been created into this world started out as a female. They were female from a very early age. And then it was the DNA, that information that said, well, let's see. Uh, how about we let, let's throw another X in there? No, wait. Let, let, how about a Y? And and that's basically the process. And then, of course, then now you have the two sexes and, and so on and so forth. But we all started out not only in a female, but as a female. Um, of course, unless, of course, you're a test tube baby, but that's another story for another day. And I, I just found that so fascinating. But one other piece of information in a conversation with a rabbi, I love those conversations because these gentlemen and women are not only so learned, but they, the, the education they have to go through is so incredible. And we were talking about the law in Leviticus that the Christians love to bash the LGBTQ community over, about men laying with men and women laying with women. And the rabbi asked me, he says, do you know the context in which that law was written? I said, no. Now, this is where that great rabbinical uh, education came in. He says, well, I'll tell you. He says, the reason why that law was instituted was to help to prevent the interference or uh, interruption of the procreative process. Well, here we are in the 21st century, and I can't remember what year it was. It may have been the year 1000 or something like that. They estimated there were basically roughly one million people on the planet. Maybe it goes back further, but be that as it may. Here we are in the 21st century, and by the way, in December of 2022, we crossed over the 8 billion mark. Now... I ask those who are listening, do you honestly believe that same-sex relationships have interfered with the procreative process of man? And I will say, I don't think so, Tim. Right. <laughs> um, but then there's some other issues that I would bring up uh, beyond that. But I, I just, when he, when he shared that with me, I thought, wow, uh, it didn't stop man from being fruitful and multiplying. There you go. It has you not know, stopped. I, I, I did I did a movie with um, Sir Ian McKellen uh, and uh, won, a, won an Oscar, Gods and Monsters. And I played um, Sir Ian McKellen's doctor in it. It was Brendan Fraser, Lynn Redgrave. Uh, uh, got three Oscar nominations and won one uh, for the director, Bill Condon. Uh, but when I got to know Ian, he shared a story and Ian's been he always says, I got into theater because I wanted to be with the pretty boys. <laughs> funny guy, funny guy. But he said, whenever I'm in a hotel room, and you know how sometimes they have the Bible inside the nightstand, mm-hmm. he goes to Leviticus and he tears out that page. <laughs> he, just, he just tears it out. You know? But I have to I have to celebrate. And, you know, we're talking about love. We're talking yeah. about celebration. We have to celebrate the heterosexual alternative lifestyle because how do we get more gay people go to it yeah go to heterosexuals you know because that's what happens it happens not now i'm gonna say i have even though i have four sisters and a brother 
uh, my eldest, of course, has since passed, but when she was alive, all four sisters were married to men. Now, as far as I know, and I have never questioned them on this because it is none of my business um, about their proclivities, uh, or my brother for that matter. I've already shared mine, um, and that's really, I don't have to justify it any more than you have to justify yours. It's one of the things that uh, I think that we really have a problem with right now in our society is that we think that when we are challenged about who we are, regardless of what it is that we are, okay, sexually or religiously or politically or economically, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I don't have to justify anything to anybody. And it's like you said, if I'm being authentic, that's it. That's all I have to do is be authentic. I don't have to justify it. I can shut down that justification by saying, it's none of your business. There you go. And well, I, I, I love that. Yeah. I, I, I want to share with you, and I'm sure you know this, you know, with the passage of the Respect for Marriage Act in yes. December, mm-hmm. um, 74% of Americans um, realize and support same-sex relationships and mm-hmm. marriage. Mm-hmm. When on earth, have 74% of, of Americans been on the same page to, to support and guarantee same-sex rights and marriage? Yeah. Now, so we look at the 26% that's kind of whatever. So they diced and sliced that. Of that 26%, which is not the 74 that do support mm-hmm. it, 13% are undecided. 13%. Wow. So that means that we only have 13 other percent and I don't judge people, but 13 other 13 percent of those folks then, you know, are against it and they have to live their lives authentically. Yeah. Just don't harm people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It would be my my urging. Yeah. The other the other aspect of all of this, too, is um, when I would hear the criticisms, when I would hear the the fear in the dialogue, the conversation back again in the 80s, early 90s. The, the next thought that came to me was, what is it that you are you afraid that these people, forgive me for using that term, these people are going to break into your home and infect you or convert you? Are you that insecure in your own self and your own relationship that you think that that's what they're going to do? And of course, there will be those who will say, well, yeah, but they're doing it in the schools. Well, what are you doing at home to teach your kids, you know, whatever it is that you want to teach them, you know, mm-hmm. stop. And I loved the criticism uh, when they shut the schools down during the, the, the pandemic, you know, and of course, the criticism across this country is how bad our educational system is and where we rank, you know, near last and et cetera, et cetera, around the world. And then about a year and a half later, they wanted to reopen the schools and send their kids back. And I'm going, wait a minute, aren't you the same people that say that's a horrible system, why would you send them there? You know, it's like sending them into a burning building. I never, it's, those are the kinds of dichotomies that go on in my brain, the, the noise in my head, you know. When it, when it, you mentioned the pandemic. And yeah. One of the things that frustrated me so much mm-hmm. and, and shows further discrimination during those 80s and 90s that we lived through. Yeah. Um, they would say, oh, yeah, so the pandemic, you know, the COVID, COVID, COVID pandemic. We haven't had anything like this since the Spanish flu in 1917. Yeah. It's like, really? And this was the this was uh, the media across the board never looked at the AIDS pandemic. I noticed that. I that noticed the that. LGBT community experienced for 10 years. Yeah. It was like, OK, COVID here and over here. 1917 Spanish flu. Yeah. What about the 80s and the 90s and the 600,000 people who have died in in the United States? People, people, not gays, because heterosexuals were also contracting AIDS. We don't know exactly how, but they were. And yes. So even to this day, Richard, just our recent past, nobody was giving any credence to the pandemic that the LGBTQ community and straight people uh, lived through. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, and and I know my oldest brother is a doctor. He said, "Oh, David, you know, uh, are you going to get through the pandemic? Pandemic, okay?" And go. Of course, I will because I've survived the last one. Yeah, 
Yeah. yeah. David Milburn's my guest. 100 Years of Men in Love is the is the film, is the uh, the television program that we encourage you to, to uh, check out, and uh, we'll give you that information in just a moment as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, David Milburn, director, actor, producer, uh, Emmy Award winner. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's it's I would venture that every project that you get involved in because of your work ethic, because of uh, the level of um, uh, 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 seriousness that you take each of these subjects, uh, that's what puts you in that realm. Now, I myself, I've only been nominated for a Peabody, but a Peabody is one that you uh, you actually apply for, <laughs> but you know, I, 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 I appreciated no the nomination. Judgment, no judgment, Richard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm working on it, but, but by the same token, that's not the reason I do this any more than that's the reason you make the movies. It's not to make, to, to get awards. That's why I've always been so frustrated with the awards programs when they're, they're basically judging art. It is, as you just said, a hundred men in love, a hundred years of men in love is not just a, it's not a movie it's not a documentary it's a it's a work of art mm -hmm. how can yeah. you judge it i mean congratulations on the awards but you know that's always that's always been a, a an interesting uh, paradox for me but i just kind of let that go and say hey whatever cuz i you are going to be about what you do i'm going to be about what i do and and uh, and we're going to learn everything we can through the process but I, I, I feel that uh, from you, Richard. I mean, and, and you have me spot on. I don't get out of the bed in the morning and, and work on a project unless I know I'm going for the gold. And when I say not gold for an award, mm -hmm. going for my own personal gold, yeah. if you will. Yeah. For my own personal gold, if you will. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, because life's short. Yeah. Got to make an impact. I want to make a difference in people's lives through storytelling. And if I'm authentic, I achieve that. But I don't want to get out of bed unless I'm going for it. Yeah. And there's no reason. I, I've, I've, I've even uh, wanted to ask my parents who are still alive today. They've been, they'll celebrate their 66th wedding anniversary. My oh, dad's nice. going to be 92 yeah. this year, mother in 89. And oh. I have wanted to, but I haven't found the right um, scenario in which to ask this question. What is it that gets you out of bed every morning? I mean, God, my dad is 92. Uh, he's, he's, his, his health is not the greatest, but he's still, he's still getting about. He still gets on his exercise and so forth. Um, and my mother, you know, she's taking care of him, of course. But it's like, what makes you choose to get yeah. out of bed every morning? Oh, you got to ask that question, Richard. And, yeah. and, and, and may I uh, suggest that uh, somebody who's lost both their parents and record the answer. Oh yeah. Audio. Yeah. So that when they do make their transition, that you have that you've captured their voice with those words of wisdom. Yeah. You've got you've got a really beautiful opportunity there. Yeah, I better I, I should do it. I actually did interview them some years ago for this program. We did about oh, an good, hour, and good. hour and a half. It hasn't aired. My mother has already told me. Now I've shared it with the family. They've allowed me that much. But she says, I asked her if I could air it. She says, no, no, you cannot air it. So it won't be until after they've uh, moved on that I probably will uh, have that uh, opportunity. Um, <laughs> but I have learned so much from them about this aspect. And I'm going to, uh, you know, you hear the word tolerance. I hate the word tolerance. Okay. I can't tolerate the word tolerance because there's judgment in it. I will replace it with the word acceptance. Now, whether I like what you are doing or not is irrelevant. I accept you. You are a member of the human race. You belong. You are an American. You belong. Uh, and so forth. And when I've had actually had members of the LGBT community in studio for other shows, I will actually say that to them after the show is over. That uh, if somebody has told you you don't belong, let me tell you. You're a member of the human family, you belong. And if you're an American, well, you know, just because I like to add that, if you're yeah. an American, you belong. Here's and, one for you. Here's one that I love. Yeah. 
how do you be beautiful? It tells us in the word. How do you be beautiful? Be you to the fullest. Yeah. So yeah. beauty is you being you to the fullest. Yeah. David, so that's my challenge. David Milburn is my guest, and this is Tell Me Your Story. David Milburn, I want to thank you so much for giving us this time. I know that your time is valuable. Uh, you've got things that you have to get to, as do I. And I hate cutting it short because I love this conversation. But I have three, three more questions to ask you that I ask all of my guests. Okay. It's, okay. it's, it's along the lines of uh, old Jimmy Durante and his, uh, uh, good night, Mrs. Calabash, wherever you are. Um, <laughs> but before I do that. Yes. I want to let you know and thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. and 9 a.m. on Wednesdays for our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We podcast these programs on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations too numerous to mention because I don't have the breath. We're on YouTube where you can watch these videos. You can see David and you, myself. Uh, and, um, and then you can also, while you're watching, you can go to his website, uh, the website of the film, the, the television program, find out more. <clears throat> so we encourage you to do that. And we also ask you to click notifications so that when I do post a new one, a new podcast or video cast, you're, let, you're, you're told, ah, Okay, uh, got another one to listen to. I'm, I'm gratified that I'm over 92,000 listens on, on SoundCloud after five years. And I am at 100 whopping subscribers. Thank you, thank you. I'm not looking for the numbers. I'm just glad people are listening, whether you subscribe or not. I also ask that you participate in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s. Please spend that time going within and listening to that still, small voice. Uh, I do my utmost to, to take the time. If it's to park the truck out by the beach and just look at the ocean and roll the windows down and let the breeze roll in and just sit there quietly, then that's what I do. Whatever it, it takes. And one of my guests said, even if it's just for a minute, take that one-minute meditation. With all that, I now move to uh, our uh, three questions for the end of the program. Uh, I love uh, how after 15 years we've been asking these questions and having a lot of fun at it. And uh, the first of those three questions is, uh, who is David Milborn? Who is David Milborn? David Milborn is a being that is authentic and wants to tell that story in whatever form is is um, is at, at his beck and call at, at at his disposal. I'm creating art installations now. I'm creating film. I'm cre writing TV series. I'm still acting, telling authentic stories from my soul. That's who David Milburn is. What is your Life's purpose. To be me to the fullest. To be me to the fullest. And finally, I hope you get the movie reference. What was your best day? Uh, I've had so many good days. I am so grateful and blessed um, I don't want to say what my best day is because I think that I can even make a better day in the future. And I hope to make better days for, for, for more people as well. Well, David Milburn, I want to thank you again for joining us. Um, we are going to have a link uh, so folks can uh, watch the trailer. Well, yep. And it's, it's, um, uh, it's on Here TV, which is H-E-R-E -E dot TV, Here TV. And you can get Here TV on all uh, cable and satellite systems throughout the United States. And it's all it's also streaming on all streaming platforms oh, here excellent. in the United States. Excellent. Just go to here.tv. Excellent. Then I will add that to our roster. And I thank you again for joining us here on the program. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you, Richard. And I'm, I'm I honored. Want very to grateful. 
I want to thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, as we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to Lal and Jeanette, I'm still listening.